0: Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the senior pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcasts. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. Today is Father's Day. Oh, look, it is the great day to turn up. I know we've got a couple of people from Tassie. Welcome. You've picked the right day to turn up. Okay, Father's Day. We have ginger beer and other Bundaberg types of drinks. And we have party pies for the blokes. <laughs> oh, what a choice. I have to say, when it comes to Bundaberg, I'm, ginger beer is not one of mine. No. And where is he? Yes, Jill did go and buy some sarsaparilla just for you, Cole. All right. <laughs> Make sure you get one. And David, yes, I saw that hand, all right, okay. There's so many choices that we have. Do you know, when I was a young kid in my early teens, I remember, I grew up in Melbourne, and we used to refer to the corner shop where you could get your milk bread and all those other things as a milk bar, yeah? Yeah. I remember in my early teens riding my push bike, going to the milk bar and then standing in there, peering through the glass window at all the one and two cent lollies. Yes. yes. <laughs> all right, don't get distracted by all the lollies you used to eat. But I used to, I'd have $2, and back then it was the, the green, you know, $2 note. Yeah, okay, not the coin. Anyway, and I'd go, oh, can I have 20 of them, and 10 of them, and five of them, to the end where I'd have a paper bag that was this size, full, <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say how long it did last, but I would actually, I would then go home and and my sister who, I had two sisters and it was one that was just older than me. We would deliberately then divvy it up between the two of us and we'd, we'd just enjoy our lollies. There was so much to be able to choose from and we loved it, absolutely loved it. Maybe you resonate with that, but we have so many choices in life. You know, do you go to McDonald's and you actually just accept a hamburger as is or you go, no, no, I don't want it with this or that or, you know, they should not have pickles on them, really, you know, know, and make those sort of choices. Or imagine if you were to go and buy a brand new car, do you accept it as is or do you ask for the modifications? I want these accessories or those things or can you remove that from it? I want this upgrade. Problem is we have so many choices made available to us today that, It's actually, as a result of that, it's creating choices in things where there should never have been a choice. I know I'm going to touch on a touchy subject here, but bear with me for a moment. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It's pretty black and white. Yes? Yeah? Well, if we go to Dr. Google... It says regarding a person's gender that people have choices male, female, transgender, gender neutral, non binary, agender, pangender, whatever that one is, it's pandas out, but anyway. Um, <laughs> gender queer, two spirit, third gender, and all or none or a combination of these. And apparently there are many more other genders, gender identities. What's the problem? With all these changes regarding gender, does it mean that God as Father has changed? Can he still be called Father? And how do we relate to him as Father? Do you know many years ago when I was, I was about 19 years of age, I was at church one evening and one of the people, there was, she was service leading, and she prayed and she said, Mother God, and then went on with her prayer. And I remember sitting there and going, whoa. It was radical and the youth pastor who was then preaching immediately after she finished her prayer stood up there and he said, nowhere in the Bible does it say Mother God. He then went on to talk about from both a, the Hebrew word and the Greek word, whenever it references God, is always in the masculine. And he said, we cannot compromise what this of the truth of the bible just because society may say something doesn't mean that it is it is right in what god says and so i want to look at it this morning in terms of thinking about some of the references of the bible where it says of god his father you know think about malachi chapter 2 it says that we have one father jeremiah chapter 3 that we call him our father Isaiah 63, there is one Father and Redeemer. And Jesus, he made it pretty clear when he said to his disciples how they were to pray, he said to them in Matthew 6 that he is our Father who who art in heaven. Jesus also in Mark 14 said, Abba, Father, meaning Daddy, Daddy. Beautiful expression of love to the Father. Same words, Abba Father, spoken in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. And as a father, he cares and provides for us. He hears and answers our prayers. He disciplines us. But also, he forgives and he rejoices over us when we repent. Now, there are people who hear this today and they go, well, that's nice for you, but that's not my experience of God as father. For some, they see him as a judge who's ready to you know, just condemn. For others, they go, he's let me down and I'm still angry with him. And it happened 30 years ago. That's nice for you, but that's not my expression of God as father. Another way of expressing it is saying, well, that might be your normal, but it's not mine. Do you know there's many things today in life that we accept as normal, but if we'd gone back 10 years ago, they would not be normal. We would look at them and go, mate, that's abnormal. Yeah? Like, for example, going back 50 years ago, okay? I know it's only just a few days ago, but 50 years ago, when you had a job, you stayed in that same job for your whole life. Today, it's between three to five years, and then they'll change to another job. That's the new normal. It used to be counted as normal that when you moved out from your family home, you bought another house that was near the family home to stay close to the family. It used to be normal that when you moved out from the family home, you would also go back to the family home once a week for a family dinner. Mmm. Anyone still do that one? I see a couple of hands. Yeah. But it used to be the normal. Many of yesterday's normals are actually today's abnormal, which means that for a person in our, so- our society today, whilst what they may consider to be normal, we actually may see it as being abnormal. Let me give you some other examples. When we wake up today, what's the first thing we do? In this Make younger... A Make a cup of tea. Well, I have to tell you, that's not the normal... It's not the time, no, it's actually checking our phone for our social media status is the new normal. Oh, dear. What else is there? Going on a holiday that's overseas rather than a road trip in the car is the normal. Ripped jeans used to be a sign of being poor. (laughs) But now they're trendy and we actually pay even more money for them taking a photo of food and posting it online rather than just eating the food (laughs) selfies and ussies rather than taking photos of other people internet that is instant and we have anywhere rather than the good old (sighs) dial-up i know it wasn't good but anyway and last one connecting online rather than connecting in person See, every person needs to know that they are loved, needed, accepted and appreciated for who they are. But how can people be accepted or feel that sense of acceptance if they can't even accept their own identity? The devil, he masquerades as an angel of light and he's robbing people of their identity, resulting in them being orphans, but they do not need to be. What we need is a true representation of the Father's love, a love that breaks through what our society says is normal and therefore acceptable, to instead reveal the truth that brings life and freedom and acceptance. Now, and I'll look at this today in the context of Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through to 32, and it's the story of the prodigal son. And I want to look at it under three key headings What do we expect? What do we give? And what does God show? So reading from verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. I'm just going to pause there. So what do we expect It's no secret in our Western society that we currently live in this entitlement generation. There are people who take things or don't contribute because they firstly look at, well, what's in it for them? How are they going to benefit from it? For example, people who are fresh out of uni and they walk into their first job and they say, well, I want to get paid X amount. And it's the same as the person who's been working there 10 years. There was one instance I've heard of where a uni student actually did that and the boss looked at them and said, but they've been here 10 years working and developing and you don't know anything of our systems yet. And the uni student said, well, if you're not going to pay me that, I'll go elsewhere, and they did. Good luck with that, indeed. We see this entitlement, though, also in the, you know, we go to the shopping centre and the parking lot. Person who's sitting there waiting in their car with their indicator on, waiting for the car to pull out. Car pulls out and, boom! another one cuts in front and goes into that parking spot. And they go, hang on, I had my indicator on, I was going in there. And the response of that driver is, well, you were too slow. It's that entitlement generation. Some might say it's rude. Well, yes, but it actually comes from that entitlement generation. The other night I was at the trivia night. And at the end of the night, there was a number of us all helping pack up, but there was a group of people who just stood there and talked. And later, Caleb and I, we returned all the tables, and as we were driving back, Caleb said to me, why didn't that group of people help? And we talked a bit about it. And then he finally concluded by saying, they were happy to receive, but didn't see that packing up was something they should do. See, in the verses that I read before, The younger brother, he carried this entitlement spirit. He said to his father, give me my share of the inheritance. Now, a person usually would receive their share of the inheritance once a family member had passed away. But in this instance, this younger brother, the son, he was actually going, no, 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 I'm not waiting until it's legally mine. I am going to take it now. In doing so, he was saying to his father, I see you as dead already. Which was also in breaking of God's command to honour your father and mother. A key indicator of this entitlement spirit is seen in its fruit, the actions that flow from a person's life. For this son, he received inheritance and soon afterwards set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. He didn't use his wealth to be able to bless others, but rather for himself. He didn't invest it, but he squandered it. He didn't live according to what he had been taught and developed as he grew up, but instead he chose wild living. It means that he rebelled against what he knew was to be right. It's like the person who gets in trouble for doing something wrong, and rather than just accepting it and learning from it, They instead go, right, now I'm going to do something even worse. And they get in their car and burn the rubber or do some donuts or, you know, other sorts of carry-on. You know, one person who went and they ended up drinking far too much. All because they were upset about getting told off. See, this young son, the son, he squandered his wealth until he had nothing left. All the inheritance was gone. And then verse 14... After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him out to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. And this is that second part is, well, what is it? what do we give? Often what we expect it will only ever be in line with what we're prepared to give. The son, he had nothing left and he was desperate. The people that had been his friends when he had money all now distanced themselves from him. He was alone, he was far from home, which meant that he had to rely on the help of strangers. And that came in the form of this citizen who said, well, here's a job, but you need to go out and feed the pigs. For a Jew, pigs were detestable and unclean before God. And maybe this son, he saw himself in the same way of being detestable and unclean before God because of his wild living. But what was he prepared to give? He had hired himself out as a servant but yet at the same time he then recognized that his father's servants had it better than what he currently had. If he was going to be a servant well he may as well actually go and do it in a place that's familiar, a place where he won't have to starve, a place where he would be treated better and so he prepared his lines for his return. I will set out And go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. However, when the son met his father, we read in verse 21 that the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Full stop. Notice something missing. What What had changed in what the son was prepared to give? You know, he did say, Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. And he did say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But he omitted, make me like one of your hired servants. Sometimes we can come to our senses and, and we go, Oh, wow, how I've messed up. You know, and, and we realize our true position before God. And we come before him and we repent and we ask for forgiveness. And then we also give all these promises. And then we walk away from that and we go, Ah, yep. God's forgiven me. And then we start to realize, hang on, what have I actually promised? And then we start to try and reduce just the breadth of those promises. We see it in the son where he suddenly omitted that he was prepared to be a slave. But yet the father, he did not reduce his love and affection for his son. While he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The third section is, what does God show? I mentioned before that about things that we accept today as normal, but yet they could actually be abnormal to others. There are things in this story of the prodigal son that we read and we go, oh yeah, that's just normal. But in actual fact, they were abnormal for what was happening 2,000 years ago. See, it was abnormal for a, for a father to run to his son. In first century Middle Eastern, a man would never, ever run. Why? To do so, he would actually have to hitch up his tunic so he would not trip over, and he, which means that by hitching it up, he would show his bare legs. And 2,000 years ago, it was considered humiliating and shameful for a man to show his bare legs. Fortunately, it's not today, is it, Cole? It's good, all right? But, you know, it was also abnormal for the father to just throw his arms around his son and, and kiss him. Why? Because the son would have been still covered in the filth and the muck rather than allowing him to firstly be cleaned and then embrace him. What it communicated is that the father wasn't looking at what the son had done but rather embracing him for who he was and accepting him but there's also a greater significance of this of the father running to the son and embracing him and that was because in the culture of the day it demanded that children who did what this son had done and then returned home that they when they came home they would firstly be greeted by the locals who would get them and beat them physically Because they would actually inflict this harm on them because of the shame that they had inflicted on not only the father and his household, but also that community. And so in beating them, it was a lesson of don't ever do this again. But in the father running to his son and embracing him, it meant if you're going to beat my son, you would also have to inflict it on me. And his father was innocent. It was also abnormal for the father to command, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. The best robe is a robe that the father would have worn only on special occasions. And by him calling for that robe, it was saying, this is a special occasion. My son has come home. The ring on his finger identified him then as being part of the family that he belonged. And sandals on his feet? Slaves were barefoot. Sons wore shoes. Now, the thing that was abnormal was the father killed the fattened calf to feast and to celebrate. If a Jewish son had lost his inheritance to Gentiles and then returned home, again, the community would perform a ceremony where they would break this large pot in front of him and yell, you are now cut off from your people. The community would totally reject him. And the father showed this entire community that his son was welcome home, which was abnormal to what they all expected. The last part of this story is the outburst of jealousy from the oldest son who had been working out in the fields, returned home, didn't even walk into the house but saw the party and celebration going on and he went, Oi, servant, what's going on over there? And the servant said, Oh, your brother who was lost, he's come home and your father's having a celebration because he's home safe. And the big brother is gone. I'm not celebrating. He was jealous. And finally the father comes out to him and says, "Hey, look, you know, this is great. Your brother who was lost has been found. Your brother, who, who was dead is now alive. We're celebrating his return." And the older brother who just went, "It's not mine. It's not my celebration." So again, we see a response from this father that was abnormal. Everything the older son said was correct. But instead of agreeing, the father expressed his love for both of his sons. That the younger son was dead but is alive, was lost and is found. To the older brother and the local community, that younger son would have remained dead and lost. But to the father, the son, he was alive and he was found. For the Father, he broke the normal of society to do what was abnormal because he loved much. We, when we are motivated by great love, we will do what other people think is abnormal. Why did you buy that meal for that person? Why did you give that person a lift? Why did you do that we do things that other people think it's just abnormal? was during the Summer Olympics of 1992, Derek Redmond was a sprinter for Great Britain. He was seeking to overcome the injuries that had plagued him and he'd had five surgeries, including one on his Achilles tendon, only four months before these games. Four years prior in the games at Seoul, he had torn his Achilles tendon one hour before his race. So Derek's pursuit of a medal in the 400 metres it started off well as he had the fastest time in his preliminaries and had won his quarterfinal heaps. And as in the semifinal, as the starter's gun went, Derek charged off out of the blocks and looked strong on the first straightaway. But before the race's halfway mark, he suddenly grimaced in pain and grabbed the back of his right thigh. His hamstring was torn. He collapsed on the track in pain and dismay as the rest of the pack sprinted on. Alone on the track, Derek stood and began hopping on his left foot, being careful to remain in his lane, but determined to finish the race. Then a figure emerged from the stance. Derek's dad, Jim. Waving off officials who tried to get him off the track, Jim ran up to his son and put his arm around his waist. And Derek turned and wept on his father's shoulder. But together, the father and son walk the final meters of the race together. Now, the father in the story of Luke 15 is the expression of God, the father, and his love for each one of us. We may have rebelled. We may have gone our own way. We may have failed and made a mess of our life. But God runs up. He wraps his arms around us and says that he loves us. He welcomes us home. It may go against everything that we expect or even think that we deserve. It may even go against what others have said about us. But God is not constrained by what our society says is normal. What do we expect? The son he chose to leave, rebel and waste what he'd been given. Our loving father, he gives us freedom to make our own choices. What do we give? The son he persevered until he could face it no longer. And realised that he had it better as a slave in his father's house. The loving father knows that we'll make mistakes. And what does God show? Our loving father welcomes us without judgement. He says, I love you. Welcome home. Let's pray. Now, Father, we do thank you for your perfect love that casts out fear. We thank you for your perfect love that says, welcome home, I love you. Now, Father, we thank you that you are the perfect father. You are the one who sent your son to die for us, to take our place, That on the cross, he died and he bled for our sin. That we would stand and be forgiven and know that that price has been paid in full through Christ. Again this morning, Father, I feel that you just have your arms open wide to receive and to embrace and to speak those words to each one. I love you. Actually, I just feel that there are some here this morning who want to know that love of the Father. They want to know that love through Jesus Christ. And maybe you've never accepted Christ. Or maybe you have, and you, like the Son, had wandered off, done your own thing. But today's the day you want to come back. I'd like to just lead you in a prayer. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. repeat after me dear jesus i thank you that you love me i thank you that you died on the cross for my sin i repent of all my sin and i ask for your complete forgiveness in my life I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe you died for me. Jesus, I now receive you into my life to be my Lord and my Saviour. Thank you, Jesus. But Father, I do thank you for those who have prayed that prayer today. I thank you that in heaven there is a celebration going on, celebration of victory. Death is no more. It has been swallowed up in victory. Life and life to the full is in Christ our Saviour. Now, Father, I pray that you would just go before each one of us, that you would help us to be extravagant in our love, being examples of your great love, And that others would say, I want what you've got because you love abundantly. And that it just flows from your heart. I thank you, Lord God. And I pray that as we go into this day and this week, that we would just have those divine encounters where we're able to speak and we're able to be the actions that that demonstrate and communicate your wonderful love. Love that breaks the norms of our society and that people go, I want what you've got rather than what society tries to offer. Father, that you would give to us those, that wisdom, the courage, the boldness, but also peace, to be able to come alongside of people, to be able to speak words of love into their hearts and help them to know that they have a true identity in Christ and that they belong. Father, we do thank you for your perfect love that's been poured out for each one of us. Go before us, fill us afresh with your grace Your love, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.